0: Personal health, as well as the health of our employees, customers, and communities has always been important, but the COVID-19 pandemic elevated the conversation around health and safety to an even greater level. For most of us, trying to navigate through the multitude of health alerts, available data, and specific needs of ourselves, our families, our employees, and our customers can be quite daunting and overwhelming. In our new podcast series, Focus on Health, at the Top is partnering with the Upstate Regional Health Office of the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Controls, also known as DHEC, in an attempt to help all of us overcome the feeling of being overwhelmed and to better understand the data, available resources, and key elements of public health in the upstate and all of South Carolina. My name is Dean Hebel, and I'm the Executive Director of Tenant the Top. During each podcast episode, I am joined by subject experts from SCDHEC as we dive into a variety of topics related to individual and community health. In today's podcast, we are joined by Tammy Lyons, DHEC Upstate STD Field Operations Manager, and Billy White, DHEC Upstate Lead APRN, to discuss reproductive and sexual health. Tammy and Billy, welcome to Focus on Health.
1: Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you. So, Happy
0: to be here. Well, I appreciate both of you taking the time. And before we get into this, the topic of reproductive and sexual health, I wondered if you could each share a little bit about your career journeys and path and, and what your role is uh, here at with DHEC in the upstate. Tammy, why don't we start with you?
1: Uh, yes, I am the field operations manager for the disease and intervention specialist here in the upstate region. As a DIS, or Disease Intervention Specialist, we are in charge of making sure that clients who may test positive for gonorrhea, syphilis, or chlamydia to make sure that they have been treated properly. And if a client is positive for HIV, we link them to our social worker to get them into care. As stated, we deal with four main diseases, gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, and HIV. Um, We're also doing some interviewing for Monkey Pops, and we also are doing some, some things with hepatitis as well. Um, I have a staff of 15 uh, DIS that are strategically placed throughout the region, um, most of them being in Greenville, Anderson, and Spartanburg counties. Um, this is my 18th year with being a DIS here at DHEC, and prior to that, I was a police officer for the Greenwood Police Department for 10 years.
0: Wow, that's a very interesting uh, transition of uh, careers. I, I'm sure there's a story behind that, um, but we will save that for another day. Um, okay, Billy, how about how about uh, your background and your role with DHEC?
2: So thank you. So again, I'm Billy White. I am the lead APRN for the upstate region of DHEC. Uh, APRN just being a fancy acronym for a nurse practitioner um, is an advanced practice registered nurse. I've done this role for as the lead for about the last six years. Um, My main job in this role is to supervise the nurse practitioner team and med tech team that we have Uh, Again, strategically placed as well throughout the 11 counties of the upstate, um, making sure that we are available to provide services um, to our uh, clients in those regions or in those uh, counties. Um, Prior to this role, I I worked as a preventive health nurse, which is uh, a registered nurse who works at our clinics here within DHEC in an expanded role. I did that for about 10 years before I went back to school to become a nurse practitioner so uh, that I could uh, maybe have a little more education to provide a little more services in our clinics here because there was such a need for public health. Um, And in total, I've been with DHEC for, this will be my 18th year. Um, Prior to coming on to DHEC, I served in the US military. So I was in the, the Navy for six years providing services as as well there, so.
0: So we have a former police officer and a former Naval uh, uh, (laughs) uh, member. So quite an interesting um, transition now to our conversation on reproductive and sexual health. And and I think, um, you know, Tammy, you mentioned uh, the four uh, diseases that you all uh, specifically Focus on, but can you talk a little bit, maybe about what you see in the Upstate as it relates to, um, you know, reproductive and sexual uh, health and diseases, and uh, uh, some of the things that you all are focusing on. You mentioned monkeypox now is another thing that's kind of coming in, but but talk a little bit about some of the data and what what you've seen in the Upstate and how we compare to other places uh, as it relates to to sexually transmitted diseases.
1: Okay, Um, right now we are seeing a drastic increase in infectious syphilis, um, not only in the upstate region, but all all the regions across the state of South Carolina. Um, Infectious syphilis is primary or secondary syphilis where the patient either has a lesion or a sore on a specific body part, or they may have a generalized body rash on the, the trunk of their body, or they may have it on the palms of their Palms of their hands are the soles of their feet. So we are seeing, a a, within the last five years, we've seen a 135% increase in infectious syphilis in our region. Now, just last year, we were seeing that there were a lot of pregnant women that were not receiving any type of prenatal care who were going to the hospital delivering without any prenatal care, and they were positive for syphilis. So with that being said, with the maternal child transfer, we were seeing an increase in our syphilis case form reporting to CDC. So we came up with an initiative as to, and this was during in the height of the pandemic. So we had to come up with an initiative as to how we could reach the patients outside of the health department. So we, that's where we spoke with our health director and we decided that we just needed to take our services to the community because the community just wasn't coming to us. And in order for us to get some type of hold on this infectious syphilis, we had to go to the community. So we started doing, doing specific initiatives. Um, Billy, Stacy, Stacy Moore, and myself, we are doing detention center initiatives where we go out into the detention centers and we test inmates and if they are positive, we treat them. And we've also partnered with VCOM, which is Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine. Um, we have partnered with them to use their mobile unit. Um, they were using a mobile unit during the height of the pandemic to give out vaccinations and do testing. So we wanted to use this mobile unit to take our STD services out into the, into the community. Um, because without it, we just knew that our rates of syphilis and any other STD would would increase. So with, with Billy being our lead APRN and her scope of practice is, is a little bit more than just your regular nurse, um, we decided that it this is just something that we needed. And it has been a huge help to the community to see our faces out there and and to let people know that whatever your circumstances, whether you have transportation, whether you don't have transportation, whether you have money or not, We are in these specific areas and we're here to help. So by all means, please come and take part of our services.
0: So Billy, um, I'll ask you uh, as as a lay person who is certainly not uh, um, an expert on any of these things, talk a little bit, you know, if infectious syphilis has been, you know, such an increase um, maybe why you think that has happened and exactly what uh, the syphilis does and what some of the the potential ramifications are. And as Tammy mentioned, also uh, the potential of of it uh, uh, also being uh, infecting the children.
1: Of course.
2: So I think we have a few problems of course being in the South, right? So we're a very rural community so for your first question, as far as why, what do we see that may be causing um, this increase are a few things. So access to care is always a big part of it um, because we are so rural, there, you know, there are some of these smaller communities who do not have doctor's offices or places for them to go to actually, for something as simple as testing if something happens. So I think that's one of the big issues that we have in the South that we're always trying to find ways uh, to maneuver around is just the access to care. I think that honestly, nationwide, that's a problem, but more so in the South, I feel. Um, As far as syphilis goes with infectious syphilis, um, the problems that we're seeing and what I think people, don't fully understand is when you bring up something like syphilis um most people my age or even older and we won't talk about how old i am but they feel like the word syphilis was a word of the past they thought that that was something that maybe we had eradicated and gotten rid of and the truth of the matter is we never eradicated it we 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 just got it to the point where we weren't we weren't seeing it as much um, maybe people were becoming a little more aware then unfortunately years go by and what do we have? Well, we start having an opioid epidemic and people are becoming more and more dependent upon drugs and then those opioids are leading to more street drugs. Um, And through the years, we'll see those street drugs change. Um, When we first started this, and I'm sure Tammy will confirm this with me as well, but when we first started noticing an outbreak of syphilis was probably around 2005. Um, at that time, the drug of choice was like crack cocaine, um, and our patient populations were a little older, and that's when we started seeing a lot more cases of syphilis coming in. Um, fast forward to today, uh, the drug of choice has changed. Now it's more methamphetamines, um, and our unfortunately, our patient population seems to be getting a little younger which starts to becoming a little more concerning for us because although syphilis is one of those STDs that's very easy to treat, um, unfortunately, it has the potential to kill you if it goes untreated. Syphilis comes in stages. Um, I think people don't fully understand that as well. Uh, syphilis doesn't hurt. So a lot of people will ignore the symptoms that they have because there is no pain associated with it. Um, but what we're seeing clinic-wise, um it, it's more along the lines as Tammy was talking about, the infectious infectious syphilis, where people are coming in with where it starts with some kind of lesion or sores um, on some body part that they have used um, while having sex. Um, those are the easiest forms to catch, the easiest forms to treat. But again, because you know, people either through with drug use or just the simple fact that the disease process itself does not cause you pain, people tend to let it go. Um, then that's why, unfortunately, you then see the increase of congenital syphilis or that syphilis that is um, you know, given from mother to child is because they don't seek out treatment for it. Uh, and then that's why, again, you see the increase there. So i think it's a snowballing effect i think there's um there's a lot of issues that probably has led to this but those are the two big things that we've seen is just the um access to care not being what it should be people don't have that access and then people just not being maybe as educated on sexually transmitted diseases as we think they should be or ought to be because um, it's difficult to get two people to give that information because it's an embarrassing topic and people don't wanna speak about it. And then, like I said, the drugs and the opioid epidemic has played a hand in that as well.
0: So I guess one role that uh, DHEC plays in this is to try to increase uh, awareness and, and information and then also access to care Uh, Tammy, can you talk a little bit about some of the the uh, preventative things that that DHEC does and the role you all play uh, around uh, um, growing awareness and information?
1: Um, Yeah, we do our very best to try and get the information out there as much as we can. Um, A lot of it is is word of mouth, so if if we're giving good quality service then people on the streets will know that, okay, I can go to DHEC, there's no judgment. They would provide the services for me. They would provide that good quality service. Um, We also try to do as much education as we possibly can. Um, And education comes on different levels. So you really have to meet the patient where their understanding is. A lot of times the terminology that we may use can really go over a person's head. So you have to get to know your patient, get to know what what their level of understanding is, and then you can provide that service where they can understand and where they become knowledgeable, where they can learn to take care of themselves and to try and prevent from getting additional um, STDs. But it just all starts with the the staff member. Um, You just really have to have a, to me, I think you just have to have a passion for public health. Um, public health is is not an easy job, public health is one of those thankless jobs, but if you are willing to help people that normally would not be able to help themselves, it's, it's all worth it. And, and again, you just have to get to know your patient and understand your patient so you can assist them better.
0: So uh, sexual uh, transmitted diseases is is just one aspect of reproductive and sexual health. Uh, talk a little bit about family planning and some of the things you all have done and obviously we not to get political uh as it relates to some of the things that have been going on across our country but what are some of the things that that DHEC does in supporting uh people as it relate or uh, you know uh, mothers or potential mothers uh especially but but really both uh, uh men and women as it relates to to family planning and and awareness uh, of 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 uh, particular services or things to uh, help in that area?
2: So with family planning, we're, we're very lucky in the state of South Carolina with the with the agency in that we, we have a family planning program that allows not only uh, my counterparts as nurse practitioners to come in and provide services for clients, but we also allow registered nurses to work in expanded roles who are also available to see those same clients and work under a strict set of uh, standing orders where they're able to provide um, low-cost contraceptives to everybody as well. Um, So what we really do here is we, we want to give access to affordable contraception Um, And, you know, although things we can't necessarily say things are free all the time, but it's definitely at no cost to you if you can't afford to do that. Uh, We know a big part of reproductive health or reproductive sexual health is planning pregnancies when you want them. That's what's going to decrease the burden on having unwanted or unintended pregnancies that can lead to uh, uh, bad outcomes for both the mother and the child. And again, like you said, not to get too political, but that's going to be more and more important as time goes by when uh, options will be limited to, to women especially. Um, so we want to make sure that we're still providing those services to our clients. So we do provide those services in most of our health departments on a daily basis where women um, and men could come in to get any kind of education and counseling on sexual health or reproductive health. But we also provide those um. Affordable contraceptive methods, um, a low cost to the patients, things that maybe they would not be able to afford outside of the health department like LARCs or long acting reversible contraceptives. Those are things like the IUDs or the the Nexplanons or implants that go into the arm. Those are found to be some of the most effective birth control methods on the market with the least uh, potential for side effects for most women, but sometimes the cost alone is so astronomical that they can't afford those in town. So we make sure that we have those available uh, and provide to them as needed. So uh, that's one of the ways we're working. You know, sexual health is not always about how to prevent STDs. It's also about how to plan your pregnancies when you want them. And that's both men and women. Uh, Both need to be in charge of that and make those decisions. So that's one of the things that we do is making sure that we have those um, people can apply for uh, family planning Medicaid waivers to help them um, cover the cost of those things with us. That's also something that we help them do in house. So they don't have to uh, figure it out on their own going on the computer and online since everything's online now. uh, We actually help them try to figure out how to do that while they're here as well. And then if they do fall into a pay category, they're put on a sliding scale fee based upon uh, their ability to pay. So we never want... um, someone to feel as though they don't have access to a contraceptive method just because it's not affordable to them we want the people to know it's the women to know especially that hey we're here and we have these things available to you you just have to let us know so that we can provide them for you and that's what my team does. The nurse practitioners provide those, um, those contraceptives, the long acting contraceptives for patients and the nurses are there backing us up with uh, the other contraceptive methods that don't include some kind of procedure,
0: so. So we had uh, an episode of focus on health specifically around health uh, disparities and inequities and things. And you've mentioned Billy a little bit about that in the rural communities compared to more urban areas. But when it comes to uh, reproductive and sexual health, um, what are uh, some of the things uh, you know you're you're trying to do to um, uh, uh, mitigate disparities in access, most especially, I know there's, you mentioned mobile clinics and things of that nature, what, what are some of the things you all are doing to try to, to uh, level the playing field and make sure everybody does have uh, awareness and access?
2: So that, you know, sometimes that can be hard with specific state agencies. We don't have a very good um, advertising <laughs> campaign, right? So we, we really have to do things around here about thinking outside the box. So what can we do? Where can we meet people where they are? Um, how can we partner with outside groups um, who are also uh, having the same focus that we are, who have the same concerns that we do? Who want to make sure that our clients are able to get the things that they need contraception-wise or just sexual education-wise. So some of the things we do is we we form partnerships with some of the local colleges, uh, some of the intern or residency programs with the med schools, who uh, will have their uh, students or their residents come in and help provide services as well. Tammy talked a little bit about the mobile clinics. Uh, We would hope that in the future, we'd be able to expand that into offering uh, the family planning and contraceptive um, uh, services as well as the STD services on those mobile vans um even in the detention centers doing what we can to provide or help those nurses and those uh, clinicians that work there to help their patients find ways to obtaining these things as well upon their release so the big part for us is just thinking outside the box and mainly for us that means we're having to make sure that we get the message out that we reach out to our partners Um, whoever it may be, local um, chapters of of different groups and organizations um, to make sure that they get the information that they can put out to their patient that knows what's available as well. Um, Doctor's offices taking our information since maybe the doctor's offices maybe don't take Medicaid or the patient is unable to pay the amount that it would cost there, but for them to have access to us or direct lines to us that they can set these things up for their patients within our clinics. So anything that we can do basically to think outside of these four walls to make sure that clients are covered.
0: Yeah. And Tammy, uh, can you maybe share if there's an example of maybe some things that a, a business or an organization that wants to partner with you all and and grow awareness for their uh, uh, um, staff or clients or customers that they can do to uh, uh, work with, with uh, DHEC?
1: Yeah, we work with a lot of of CBOs or community-based organizations. Um, We partner with them to do testing, um, sometimes treatment. Um, It's not unheard of that we'll have conversations with primary care providers or their private doctors um, if they have any questions or if they have just don't quite know what to do with that patient, especially when it comes to syphilis, because syphilis is what's called the great intimidator. And it can be very intimidating because if you don't see a lot of syphilis, you may not know what to do for that patient. So DHEC always has that open line of communication. That you know, if you have any questions or concerns, if you need to send a patient to us for treatment, you know, we're here for you. So we'll we will partner with different healthcare providers. We'll partner with the community-based organizations. We'll go to the detention centers. To offer our services, to offer the educational piece, to offer um, any type of testing as well as treatment. So, just to get ourselves out there and to get our faces in the community to let them know that, you know, DHEC is, there's a lot going on up under the DHEC umbrella. So, and sometimes things can get a little lost in the shuffle. But, you know, as far as STD, HIV, and other services like that, you know, we're here to provide that service to the community. So um a lot of people have concerns for whatever reason about coming to the health department. But um, you know, just know that we we are here to offer our services, even if that does mean taking our services out into the community. We we definitely will do that. Um, Billy, myself, Billy Stacy and myself, we've gone into some places that that are less than appealing, but (laughs) because our services were needed um that's just what we had to do and safety is always first that is always our top priority and with the three of us um we know each other pretty well so um we're, we're good on the safety standpoint you know you got a police officer and you got a um someone that was in the armed forces so you know we're good
0: yeah, I'd feel pretty safe with, with the two of you going in there, I think. Um, so for our listeners, uh, and we've had this uh, on all the, the calls, but there is an email address focus, and that's phocus at dhec.sc.gov. So if anyone has any specific questions or is looking for information or would like to partnership or or partner with uh, with Tammy or Billy and and uh, around Uh, reproductive or sexual health uh, resources for for their organization or their business. uh, You can reach out through uh, this email and uh, either one of you. Is there any other resources that you would share with folks that they can um, can go to uh, if they're looking for more information about what's out there uh, in terms of resources or, or services that you all provide?
1: I would say the CDC is an excellent place to start. Um, there is a wealth of knowledge on the CDC website, um, cdc.gov, I, I believe that's what it is. Um, that's it. Um, so if you want to just do some research on your own, again, that that the CDC website is an excellent resource of, of all types of of diseases from gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, HIV, you name it, it's it's on the CDC website.
0: Perfect, and Billy, anything uh, there to add as we wrap up?
2: Yeah, you know, just the the DHEC website in general, the scdhec.gov website uh, has a plethora of knowledge about all of our regions, our counties, the services that we provide in those counties, um, so if people are looking for services, especially, um, that's a good place for them to start because all the information is going to be there for um, every county in our region and statewide.
0: Perfect. And there are links on uh, the 10th to Top uh, um, podcast channel and on uh, the information right up about this particular podcast if someone is looking for those specific resources. So, Tammy and Billy, thank you so much for being with us and sharing a little bit about this topic that certainly uh, is one that that people kind of maybe roll their eyes a little bit about, but but uh, is definitely an important component of making sure that that we maintain uh, and, and create a safe environment and safe place for everyone here uh, in the upstate.
1: Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share our wisdom and our knowledge with you today.
0: Absolutely. And I also want to thank you, our audience, for joining us for this edition of Focus on Health. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure and like us on your podcast app and tell your friends. You can also check out the Tenet the Podcast channel for our other podcasts, including Upstate Gems, where I interview community and business leaders from across the region.